The Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to the professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston. And before we get to uh, today's topic, I just wanted to mention uh, one thing. Uh, you may have heard it before, but I'll say it again, and that is I'm doing another Stone and Tile inspection seminar again in fabulous Las Vegas uh, next year. I believe it's February 13th. Um, I'll double check on those dates, but if you go to my website, stoneforensics.com and click on the training tab, you'll see it there. And the reason I mentioned that is this class size is very limited. I'll take a maximum of 10 and I, I very rarely, uh, if ever have that many. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, go ahead and uh, check that out and uh, give me a ring. All right, let's talk about today's topic. And the reason I came up with this topic is because over the past 20 some years, maybe even 30 years, especially recently, I've been doing a lot of inspections on failures around swimming pool decks, fountains, basically water features. Now, we're not really going to talk about showers per se, but we're going to talk about those those outdoor features, uh, although you can have them indoors as well, but mostly outdoors. Uh, we're talking swimming pool decks. We're talking uh, fountains, uh, pools, things of that nature. And the failures I'm seeing are horrendous. I mean, we're talking, I just looked at one the other day that the, the guy spent, I don't know how many, like $250,000 for this pool deck. And they basically chose the wrong material. So what I want to do today is I want to break this down into different segments. So we're going to talk about the type of stone that should be used and the type of stone that shouldn't be used in those situations. We're going to talk about water quality because a lot of times, even if you're using the proper stone, your water quality can actually deteriorate that material. We're going to get a little bit into chemistry uh, when it comes to water chemistry. And I want to tell you the difference between a chlorinated pool and a saltwater pool because there's some confusion there, you know, especially if you guys are out there doing restoration work or inspections or even installations. These are questions you, you need to ask and these are questions that you need to know. And then if you like, I can give you some tips on how to, uh, how to clean some of the, uh, the hard water deposits and the scum and stuff that occurs on the tile and the stone uh, throughout the uh, swimming pool surround, coping, uh, et cetera. So, where shall we start? Well, first, let me give out the phone number. The call-in number, if you're listening live, is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. You know, I guess the best place to start would be the type of stone that's being used. Now, you've seen marble, granite, 
uh, limestone, sandstone, uh, and then we're not going to really talk about concrete pavers or brick. We're going to stick on stick with natural stone uh, for the purpose of this podcast. Perhaps some other time we'll talk about that. But but some of these principles that I'm talking about are also going to apply to those those materials. But let's talk natural stone. What type of stone is not appropriate for a swimming pool surround? And this is regardless of whether you're dealing with a chlorinated pool or a saltwater pool, and we'll get into that in a moment. But and I know I'm going to tick off some people when I say this. And and again, you have to remember when it comes to natural stone, there are exceptions to every rule. So let's first look at limestone. There are thousands of different types of limestones out there. And some of those limestones are can be appropriate for a pool surround. Uh, a great example would be travertine. Uh, travertine is a is a limestone. If you didn't know that, I, I hate it when people call travertine a marble. It's not a marble. It's a limestone. Uh, if it's a very dense travertine, of course, there's travertines from all over the world. And then there are very porous ones and there are very dense ones, uh, non-porous materials. Uh, I see a lot of those here in Florida and they hold up really well if they're maintained and if the water chemistry is maintained properly. However, there are some limestones out there that aren't appropriate. And I'm not going to sit here and name them off because there's tons of them out there. So let's first look at limestone. and How do you tell whether that particular limestone is going to be appropriate or not? Well, the first thing you want to do, and this is for your designers out there or you installers, you want to look at the ASTM absorption rate. If it has a very high absorption rate, you're in trouble because the chlorine or the salt from a saltwater pool is going to get into the, those pores. It's going to crystallize, and it's going, going to be a nightmare. And I've seen hundreds and hundreds of these, these cases where, where it happens. So you want a low absorption rate on the type of limestone that you're dealing with. Also, if you're dealing with a limestone that is, well, I should say has a lot of fillers in it, uh, you want to check to make sure what those fillers are. Because if they're using a polyester fill, polyesters aren't going to hold up very well to outside. Now, we've had this discussion in the past, and I'm sure you um, avid listeners are aware that a lot of marbles being sold in the industry are actually geologically limestones. So we have to be careful there. Now, let's talk about the group of materials. And I, I get this all the time when it comes to marble slash limestone. And that is the uh, Natural Stone Institute, formerly the Marble Institute of America, uh, back in uh, probably the 1950s, maybe not early 1960s, came up with a classification system for marble for marble. And that is group A, B, C, and D. Those are not quality issues. And I want to make sure you understand that. These are not issues for quality. This system, this grouping system was designed for fabricators. It was designed for fabricators to tell how much filling they had to do on a material, how much repair work they had to do, do on a material. So for example, if uh, the most sturdiest, most you know, sound material is a group A, that would be something like your white Carrara, you know, very little holes or actually no holes whatsoever, a very dense material. As the material gets more holes, uh, more fillers needed, becomes more brittle. It goes from a B to a C to a D. Now, if you go into Google and you just search, you know, marble groups and you read all these marble groups, group A, group B, group C, group D, you will see that the Natural Stone Institute 
does not, and I repeat, does not recommend using a group C or D material, marble, in an exterior situation. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this material being used. I just looked at a case a week ago that had a group C marble around a pool deck and it's falling apart. Now, there were some other issues with this other than the type of, type of marble, but it was also a marble that was not uh, recommended by the Natural, Natural Stone Institute. So are there marbles that are appropriate? Yes, no, there are. But you want to be careful with finishes. You know, highly polished finishes on any stone uh, is going to, be, going to be an issue. So that's limestone, and, and that's marble as well. Uh, sandstone, in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, I'm sure I share this opinion with others, or others share my opinion, and that is sandstone is probably inappropriate around the pool deck. Uh, it's extremely porous, and when it's extremely porous, it's going to absorb materials, and it is going to spall. Now, we get into the topic, and I'm not going to get into the topic on this particular show, but we get into the topic of sealing exterior stone. And those of you that know me, those of you that read my articles, and again, if you want a copy of these articles, just send me an email. Uh, I'm not a fan of sealing exterior stone for many, many reasons, and I'm not going to get into it here. Uh, you can go back and listen to some of the other podcasts or send me an email, uh, and I'll get you a, a copy of that article, as well as the article that I that I um, have written called, Are You Drowning Trying to Keep Your Pool and Water Feature Clean? Um, Again, my email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. The call-in number, if you're listening live, if you have a comment or a question, is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. And, of course, if you're listening to the podcast not listening live, just send me an email. Uh, with your comments or your questions, I'll be more than happy to uh, entertain them as well. Okay, so I guess what it boils down to is, you know, what type of stone would I recommend for a pool deck? I mean, of, of course, natural stone. I mean, we're going to eliminate cool decks and all that stuff. Uh, th- that's for another topic. But um, probably I would recommend a granite um, and a granite with a sort of rough finish now you can get a flame finish on granite that's not sharp on the feet kind of it's it's flame and it's smoothed over with abrasives um that's a good good material of course there are limestones that i've mentioned travertine you know a good dense travertine would be appropriate as well i'm not a fan of some of the marbles for a pool deck uh just that's my opinion i i've seen nothing nothing but nightmares when it comes to those type of materials so you know choose carefully uh, you know, if you're an installer and you're asked to, you know, install a particular type of stone because a customer happens to like the color or the designer or the architect recommended it, you really need to do your research and educate your customer on why they shouldn't use that material or should use that, that material. And I've, I've had this situation, you know, many, many, many times. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I looked at a swimming pool that was a saltwater swimming pool, and we'll get into this a little bit later, that was terrible. It was spalling, and it was just a mess. And we'll get into how I repaired that, or I should say how I recommended uh, that I repair it. One of my restoration buddies actually did the repair, but I wrote up the spec for, for doing that. Um, so when it comes to these materials, you want to be careful. You want to be careful with what 
and again, I apologize to you distributors out there, but you know, not all you distributors are on the up and up. Um, I've seen distributors recommending materials that should not be used on exteriors, um, especially around pools. Now, what we didn't get into, we didn't get into below water stone. In other words, uh, you know, the, the, the coping, the side of the pool, I've seen the improper stone used there as well. Um, you know, uh, fountains, uh, I've seen fountains made with marble and eventually the water is just going to erode uh, of the marble. And uh, if you don't believe me that the water will erode it, go look at the Grand Canyon. Uh, look at all that material there, the stone that has been eroded over, you know, millions and millions and millions of years. Water can do a lot of damage to, to stone surfaces. All right. So that's my spiel on on the type of materials that that should and shouldn't be used around a water feature, around a pool deck or whatever. But given that, what can accelerate deterioration, even if you're using a material that's appropriate for a pool deck, is water chemistry. And, you know, fortunately, I, I have a degree in science and I know quite a bit about water chemistry and it's probably why I get called in all the time on these on these um, materials. So the first thing I do is I ask what the water chemistry is. Um, if they don't have if it's commercial, they usually have records. Uh, a homeowner is generally not going to have that. Um, a homeowner may have a pool service so I'll contact a pool service to find out you know, what the parameters are. I'm going to go over those here in a minute. Um, if not, then it might be a wise idea to go ahead and do a, a check yourself. You know, you can buy a pool test kit at any pool supply. You can go to a Home Depot, a Lowe's, Ace Hardware, whatever, and you can buy those kits. And I'll tell you here in a minute what you need to, what you need in a kit uh, when we go over the parameters. But that's um, uh, something you may want to check because the deterioration may not be caused by the, the type of stone, although that's important as we just discussed, but it may be caused by improper water chemistry or what we call imbalanced water chemistry. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, put on your your science caps because we're going to give you a little bit of a chemistry lesson and talk about the parameters of water should be in a swimming pool and a water feature around a, a stone coping stone whatever so we'll be back right after this thank you tough skin one of our gold sponsors marble etches and stains tough skin guarantees it will not tough skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the usa with a proprietary stone laminate products they protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Toughskin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. Okay, we just finished talking about, you know, what stone is appropriate for around a pool and a fountain feature uh, and what stone is not. But I did want to mention one other thing. I'm looking at my notes here, and that is if you're in a situation where you're going to recommend a particular material to your client, you want to try to avoid any dark color. 
Uh, the darker colors are going to be really hot under the feet, and I've seen that. I actually saw a, a black absolute uh, granite pool deck down in Miami a number of years ago, and it, was, it wasn't it was polished. It was honed, but, man, you stepped on it. It was like you might as well be walking on hot coals. The sucker was really, really hot. So, obviously, your lighter colors are going to be cooler uh, than, than, your, than your warmer colors are. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about water chemistry, and I'm not going to bore you with, the, with all the science, but I do want to give you some parameters uh, that you need to know, especially when it comes to stone surfaces, because water chemistry is extremely important. And this is why you see, you know, a, a lot of um, spalling, if you will, around the coping. Now, before I get into the actual parameters, let's talk a little bit about the two types, two basic types, there are other types, but there are two basic types of chemical systems for pools. There are chlorinated pools and there are saltwater pools. Now, here's where it gets a little confusing for some of you. Chlorinated pools are usually just chlorine added to the uh, filtration system or the pool, either by a liquid, either by a tablet. And you can tell a chlorinated pool really easy because it smells like chlorine. Now, a saltwater pool, this is where a lot of uh, people get confused, and I, I get this question all the time. They think a saltwater pool is actually salt water. In other words, water that's just like the ocean. And it's not, although some of those do exist. But for the most part, a lot of the swimming pools are now going to a saltwater system. And now, what do I mean by a saltwater system? Basically, what happens is it's fresh water. Salt is added to the pool. And then it goes through a process, called, it goes through the filtration system, it goes across these plates through a process called electrolysis, and it converts, it actually removes the chlorine out of the salt. So if you remember your, your chemistry from high school, it's sodium chloride, okay, you your sodium, and then you got chloride, which is your chlorine, it separates that and produces chlorine. So even though your saltwater pool is a saltwater pool, it's actually producing chlorine. It's a cleaner type of chlorine. It doesn't have that chlorine smell to it. Uh, it's just a lot easier on your skin. But from a stone perspective, okay, it does contain some salt. And this is where the problem comes in. Now, to give you an example, um, the ocean, when it comes to salt, the salinity is about 35,000 parts per million. A saltwater pool is a lot less than that. I mean, a saltwater pool is going to be oh, somewhere around 3,000, 4,000, maybe 5,000 parts per million. So it's like, you know, salt water in the ocean is about 10 times stronger than it is in a saltwater pool. But with that said, there's still salt particles there. There's still sodium, uh, uh, sodium there. And when that, when that crystallizes, which it'll do, and it usually won't happen underwater, it usually happens at the at the at the tie line, if you will, at the lo the level of of the pool or the fountain, or above it. You're going to get spalling. You're going to get that white spalling that occurs because the salts are actually going in there. So you need to choose a stone that's very very dense, and you need to make sure you monitor your water chemistry, which we're going to get into and go into right now, as a matter of fact. So, what are the parameters? I mean, what is proper water chemistry for a pool and the things you need to check as an inspector, as an installer, as a restoration, a restoration contractor. First of all, pH. 
I'm not going to get into a chemistry lesson on pH. I've done that on some of the other shows. And uh, you can come to my class and you'll get a whole lecture on that. But you want to be careful of the pH going above an 8. You know, ideally, you want your pH to be somewhere between a 7 and a 7.5. So that's close to neutral. Okay. And why that's important is that your pH levels will affect the chlorine, whether it's chlorine, chlorinated water or whether it's salt water. You know, a great example of that is if you have an 8.5 pH, which you don't want to have, okay, the chlorine is only 10% active. But if you have a 7.5 pH, the chlorine is 50 to 60% active. So you can see the amount of chlorine that's in the water needs to be, or the pH, I'm sorry, needs to be monitored because it's going to affect how active the chlorine is in a pool. Now, you've got some other chemistry parameters that I don't want to get into, but you have, uh, you know, some pools will use um, cyanatic acid, which is a stabilizer for the chlorine. It makes the chlorine last longer, but we're not going to get into that deep into, into the chemistry. So pH, again, you want to be from 7 to 7.5. You also also want to look at what is called total dissolved hardness. This is the, the, the amount of minerals that are in the water itself. And you want to make sure that your hardness is somewhere, well, actually, you have a total, total hardness, which is going to be about 80 to 140 parts per million. And if you measure particular types of salts, such as calcium, you're going to be somewhere between 200 and 800. So... You want to try, try to avoid going above, say, 1,000 to 1,500 parts per million. Uh, if you get that high, it's very difficult to treat the water. You basically have to drain the pool and, and put new water in there. Alkalinity. Uh, alkalinity is related to pH, and you're looking at anywhere between 80 to 140 parts per million. Now, if you have a saltwater pool, maintenance is going to be critical because the salt not only will affect the stone, as I had mentioned, but it's also going to corrode anything that's metal. So you have to be very, very careful. Uh, you want to make sure you clean it often. Uh, you can take a scrub brush and scrub it, you know, all the algae and scum off the, off the surface. That, that helps uh, uh, quite a bit. Check the pipes or whatever. So let me recap the parameters here. Your chlorine, which I hadn't mentioned, you want to be somewhere between one and three parts per million. Your total alkalinity between 80 and 100 parts, 140 parts per million. Your calcium hardness anywhere between two and 400 parts per million. Your total dissolved solids, in other words, all the solids that are in there should be between uh, 500 and 5,000 parts per million. So that's what you want to take a close look at, and that's what you want to do when you're seeing deterioration. Obviously, you're going to look at the type of stone, but you're also going to look at the water chemistry because the water chemistry plays a real important part. Okay, now that I've bored you with the chemistry lesson, uh, let's take a quick break one more time, and I'm going to come back with some case studies uh, where I've had some issues uh, with uh, not only water chemistry, but also uh, with the type of stone. So we'll be back right after this. Ready to take your skills to the next level? Visit GetTrainedToday.com to learn about e-learning and hands-on courses offered by the Surfaces Learning Institute. Learn from industry experts the skills needed to start offering stone and tile restoration or take your existing skills to the next level quickly and with a solid foundation. More advanced courses include commercial maintenance, inspection and troubleshooting, historic property preservation, how to become an expert witness, and more. 
Training offered at the Institute goes well beyond essential restoration and maintenance skills training to include a variety of other relevant topics for growing your business and leveraging your skills. For example, essential marketing or how to become an expert witness. All training is reinforced with resources and tremendous support to help you hit the ground running with confidence. Visit GetTrainedToday.com to learn more. All righty, folks. Uh, well, we talked about the type of stone to use and not to use around a pool and a water fountain feature. Uh, we talked about water chemistry, and uh, hopefully I didn't lose you when I started talking about all that technical stuff. And there are two additional topics I want to talk about. I next want to talk about uh, some case studies, uh, some issues that I've had and how I solved them. And then lastly, um, maybe some tips on how to, how to, so- how to clean uh, some of that scum and some of that calcium deposits that's on, on the stone itself. Uh, if you have a question, you want to call in, it's 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. If you want to shoot me an email, it's fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. All right, let's look at some case studies. I had a very large outdoor mall. Those of you that have been to Florida know we have these outdoor malls. And this particular outdoor mall had five fountains going throughout the the entire mall. They were outside. Uh, the stores were around them, so it was kind of an open-air type, type mall. And uh, this was all glass tile. Now, the glass tile was on the bottom, and the glass tile went up the side on the wall. And this turned into a lawsuit. It turned into a lawsuit because... Uh, they said the installer did not install the material properly. Now, what was happening is the grout was missing. Uh, the um, tiles were popping up. These glass tiles were popping up. So I was called in. Now, your first gut reaction is, okay, the installer used the wrong setting material, which is a possibility. Uh, so let's find out what they used. Okay, so I go in. I asked for all this information, and I found out the installer seemed to do a good job. Well, what's interesting is that grout was missing, and I'm there with a bunch of other people. There's lawyers all over the place, and because it was a commercial outdoor fountain, um, this probably has a very well-computerized system for maintaining the water quality. And I asked, I said, can I see the water filtration system? And they kind of looked at me a little strange, and, and aren't you a stone and tile guy? Um you know, how, how come you want to see the filtration system? I said, well, it's very important. So I'm led down into the uh, bowels of the this building, and there's a big water treatment system under there. And I noticed a clipboard, and on the clipboard was a little yellow pad. And on that yellow pad was some pH readings. And those pH readings were acidic. I mean, they were below 7. In some cases, they were like 5.5, 6 which if you know anything about pH is very, very acidic. So I was looking at this this particular yellow pad and one of the attorneys came up and grabbed it and said, oh, we'll put this into evidence. You can get a copy of it later. Well, long story short, it never made it. It got lost. <laughs> so what I surmised, you know, based on that, that pH reading is that the pH, the water chemistry, or they cleaned, the material way. When I looked at the bottom of the basket where the filtration went, there was sand in the bottom of it. So what was happening is because the water was acidic, it was eating away all the grout, also eating away at the thin set that was used and causing the tiles to pop up. 
Now, if I went and I looked at the wall, the same glass tile, little mosaic glass tiles are on the wall above the water line. Those were perfectly fine, all intact, bonded really well, and the grout wasn't missing. Anything that was under the water was totally missing. Now, when I inspected it, the uh, uh, that was empty, so I was able to to get under there, walk around there, and see that. So. There's an example of how important water quality is. You know, I could have very easily said, well, you know, the installer used the wrong type grout, and that's why it's coming out. Uh, he did a crappy job. No, it was a water quality issue. So extremely, extremely uh, important. Okay, uh, another one, just real quick before we get into, um, um, you know, cleaning up some of these some of these issues, is um, one I had up in the New England area, and Paul, if you're listening, you'll know what I'm talking about, where a particular limestone was used on this pool deck in a saltwater pool, and it was eaten up awful. I mean, just terribly, you know, eaten up. I mean, some of the worst conditions I've ever seen simply from, you know, the saltwater splashing on the surface and the salt obviously soaking into the material. Now, this happened to be an indoor pool, not an outdoor pool. So you would think that would be okay, right? Well, not really because you've got salt water, uh, very low salt water, but still salt water splashing onto the surface. Well, the homeowner that hired me to look at the situation was adamant that they didn't want to replace this material. So I said, well, there's a couple things you should do then. First of all, um, get away from a salt water pool and convert your system over to a chlorine system, which is what they did. <clears throat> and then we can try to densify the material to make it last a little longer. It's not a, a, a permanent fix, but it's going to give you a little bit more life. So we basically recommended we do is go in, clean it real well, and then use a densifier uh, on the material, which is, uh, which is what we did. So um, you want a little bit more information on that, you can simply drop me an email. I can tell you exactly what we, what we did on that particular uh, situation. So these are the type of things I've run into. It seems like almost every week I'm getting a call about a pool deck, uh, a fountain, uh, some water feature, and it all boils down to what we've already discussed. The first being wrong material being used. Now, what I didn't mention is the, the, raw, the installation. I mean, there are situations where, you know, the installation is, is not proper. Um, you know, a great example of that, a, a friend of mine, uh, out, out west and the southwest has an issue with uh, a sand bed installation that was installed with tight joints. That's a whole nother issue. Uh, it happens to be travertine. Travertine was an appropriate material uh, to use on this pool deck, but on the sand bed installation, the joints were very, very tight, and uh, they weren't. They weren't. They, they, there was no grout joint whatsoever in that. So that that's another issue. And. You know, we can get into that and so some other time, or come take my class, and you'll see lots of uh, lots of slides when it comes to um, some of these issues with uh, not only pool decks, but but every everything else. Uh, so we didn't get into that in this show, and, and nor are we nor are we going to. All right, one last chance before I get into maintenance to call in if you're listening live three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. That's three two three eight seven zero. Three nine six eight. If you're listening live, if you're listening to the podcast, do not call in because it's not live at that time. It's live now uh, at uh, six thirty on a uh, Wednesday afternoon on May twenty fifth. Okay, so you restoration guys out there, uh, you guys that are in charge of cleaning all this material, um, 
Mm-hmm. How do you clean up, you know, the, the calcium deposits? How do you clean up all the, all this material? Well, there's many things you can use, but primarily you're going to have to use an acid to get rid of these, these uh, hard water deposits. And that can present somewhat of a problem simply because you may end up changing the chemistry of the swimming pool if you use too much of the acid. So my recommendation would be to check the water before you start and then check the water after you're finished. Excuse me. And advise your customer that in order to clean this pool properly, you're going to have to, um, or you may, I should say, it may possibly change the water chemistry and they need to have the chemistry of the water adjusted. So uh, that's one thing you can do. Um, People have asked me all the time, you know, what type of acid should I use? And, you know, everybody always throws the word muriatic acid, muriatic acid. And muriatic acid, or it's also called hydrochloric acid. That's what muriatic acid is, is not one of my favorite acids. Um, my favorite acid is an acid called sulfamic acid, S-U-L-F-A-M-I-C, sulfamic acid. And the reason I like sulfamic acid, first of all, it's not a liquid. You mix it as a powder in, into water and make it into a liquid. You dissolve the, the crystals, and it has no odor to it, and it's pretty effective. As a matter of fact, I had a buddy of mine uh, do a cleaning on a, on a pool of a fountain and used it and said it worked like a champ. So uh, you want to find some sulfamic acid. I know some of the home centers used to sell it in small quantities. If you deal with your tile suppliers, all your tile suppliers will also sell sulfamic acid. Uh, it's, it's actually sold as a grout cleaner. Of course, obviously, if you're dealing with uh, acid-sensitive material like a limestone or a marble, uh, you want to be really, really careful. And I guess the best advice I could give you is to uh, just, you know, design a maintenance program uh, for your client. You know, if you're installing it, tell them how to maintain it. Uh, if you're restoring it, tell them how, how to maintain it. If you're an architect or a designer, you know, be careful with what material you choose. And if you do, Check with an expert. Check with someone that knows something about that material. Don't go basic. Don't go basic on your color. And I've seen that again and again and again. A lot of people are being misled, and unfortunately, I see that constantly around here. All right, folks, that's going to be it for this week. Um, hope you learned something today. So until next week, thanks for listening. Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends. Are you looking for quality greenstone working products? ESP sells many lines of fine quality environmentally safe products. Stone Pro, MB Stone Care, Bondstone and Touchstone Adhesives, more Stone Care products, Easy Care products, and Better Bio, which is over 80% bio-based and approved by the USDA. For more info, visit ESPSales.net. That's ESPSales.net.